Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Grand Hour Blitz right here on TuneIn, Google Cast, Player FM, Apple Podcasts, and on the biggest platform on podcast, iHeartRadio. And as always, Block Talk Radio, your host, Oscar Lopez here, episode 296 of the Grand Hour Blitz. We're going to be chatting NFL uh, Week 8, College Football Week 9, Preview Week 10. We're going to run into the Women's Grand Hour News and Notes from Costa Rica, uh, Czech Republic, Austria. Great out in Australia, and as always, Mexico in the hotbed this week, three weeks in into Lexfa and FX Mexico. So we'll dive into that as well in about a couple minutes here. And we're going to be talking winners and losers of the NFL tread deadline. And an hour from now, we are going to be going into week eight and week nine and off uh, uh, the college football swing as well with Mackenzie Brooks, the salty one. We'll be here about an hour. Uh, we have no no joke football huddle guests today lined up. We are uh, planning on lining up some really awesome Hall of Famers for the 2019 class that was announced. Uh, you can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties, get the listings of all the uh, athletes that were announced for the 2019 class. And uh, Stacey Agu is up there right now. So you can go to the uh, Facebook page and you can basically uh, check out her profile. And we're going to dive into a lot of stuff in the next two hours. So going solo today, we don't have our WFA All-Stars, uh, uh, Holly Custis, or um, we don't have a Louise Bean as well. So, But we'll be uh, trekking well. We'll wait for the salty one in about an hour or so. So we'll dive into the women's game. First and foremost, just playoff times coming up here in about three different areas of the globe. And we'll go to uh, – Women's Gridiron League of Costa Rica first. Uh, it's been a very exciting season for the Bulldogs, uh, returning champions. Uh, first year champions. This is their second season in uh, the Gridiron League of Costa Rica. And Bulldogs continue to roll. We are here undefeated. Uh, week, uh, October 27th, week 7. It was 20-16. to 16. They take care of Valkyrius. It was a matchup of week 1, uh, Valkyrius put up 14 points, Bulldogs 24, pretty close matchup here. Uh, this is probably the best rivalry in the, uh, in the early stages of this league. So uh, Bulldogs and Valkarius really standing out. You also had last week on week six, October 20th, Bulldogs routed the Goddesses 54-14. Uh, three-way, a three-game, uh, three-team swing here in Costa Rica, if I can speak correctly here. Um, so we're two weeks left. Week 8, November 3rd, if Valkyrius must win against Goddesses. Goddesses looking for the upset here that would 
basically uh, give Valkyries a loss. Still in the playoff mode for them, but it would be a devastating loss to lose to a, a winless team so far. Then in week nine, November 10th, we have Goddesses taking on the champs Bulldogs, and it looks to me like that would be probably an easy win. So the championship is slated for November 24th. It's more than likely at this point, given the structure and the, the way the season has gone, more than likely we are looking at a Bulldogs versus Valkyrius uh, matchup. This, is, this will be for the championship. So we'll keep tabs on that. You can go to the Facebook page uh, at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Diabetes. You can also keep tabs on the season that is in Costa Rica. As we move on to uh, Brazil, the Brazilian season is about to end here. And so uh, the playoffs will start soon here as well. November 10th will be the uh, playoffs Brasilia versus Curitiba for the final. Been an interesting season so far in uh, the Brazilian women's feminino, uh, the, the Liga BFA feminino, and it's been uh, pretty exciting. So week seven, October 5th and 6th, Brasilia Pilots uh, took care of the Portuguese FA 30-20, to 20, a very interesting game, very close game, a uh, very uh, interesting game by the Portuguese who have stood a little bit of difficulty going in, but they've managed to put up 24 points and a big win back in week three. Since then, they had not played, and so this is their, their loss here. Here, uh, Curitiba Silverhawks uh, just shut out the America Big Riders uh, a kind of a exclusive rivalry here in the uh, Brazilian league early on in this first season. So they get the shutout and obviously punch their ticket to the appearance in November 10th for the championship. Brasilia Pilots, on the other hand, the same thing. Great season. Uh, the last game was week eight, which was uh, October 13th. And that was the Beavers FA um, 52-0 to zero versus the Sao Paulo Panthers. So the stage is set in Brazil at this point for the championship, November 10th. Brazilian Pilots taking on Curitiba Silverhawks. We will have wall-to-wall coverage, courtesy of our networks in Brazil. And you can always go and catch all that latest information at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. Uh, just speaking of the page, I want to thank everybody that's gone to the page. We're close to 8,000 on Facebook. Uh, really, really appreciate it for sharing, commenting, and uh, doing everything that we can to bring awareness to women's American football globally as well. Uh, we are at 22,000, over 22,000 strong. Uh, thank you, everybody that's on Twitter for taking us over to 6,800 on Twitter now, and that's a big mark for us. We're shooting for 10,000 on Twitter. It will be a, the biggest benchmark, I think, in, in terms of awareness for us if we do get to 10 on Twitter. Closer, I think, will be to Facebook, if we get to Facebook at this point, but uh, also on Instagram, you can find us there. You can find us on Snapchat as well. So all the platforms there, and you can find us on all the biggest platforms in terms of podcasts, iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, TuneIn. So uh, just search uh, Gridiron Beauties on that, and you can find us there. And you can take a look at and listen to almost 200, over 200 episodes with amazing athletes, interviews with coaches, uh, all-stars, superstars, and everything in between. So you check it out, especially with our co-hosts as well from the past and the current. Uh, so check it out at Apple Podcasts as well as on iHeartNow and always on Block Talk Radio. 
but a great season in Brazil. So, uh, it's This is kind of an exciting year for the Brazilian uh, game because they also have committed to putting a national team together. Uh, the Ancas of Brazil will be now the national team, and they had their tryout this last two weeks. You can get some of the details there at the hub with some of the players that are really excited from the camp, the national tryout camp. So they're looking forward to Honduras in March of 2020. Um, and so they're going to be competing in Central America at the World Bowl, uh, the Honduras uh, America's Bowl, basically. Uh, so we'll have more details as we, as we get closer to the event. So that's in Brazil as well. We went to Costa Rica. As we head, we're going to be heading over to the Czech Republic right now. And a massive uh, playoff is going to be set also for November 10th. And the international scene there in Europe. And uh, hats off to the Warsaw Sirens. Warsaw Sirens, brand new team from Poland. They have struggled uh, financially, uh, number one. And they've struggled to try to keep up with the float of the team uh, as far as uh, garage sales and selling um, recycled cans. Um, just a lot, of, a lot of struggles for the team to compete in the Czech Republic in the uh, CAASZ. But they have made it. And lo and behold, uh, they have mustered through. And they are now in the competitive position to make the Rose Bowl 5, which is the championship. So if you're listening out there, Warsaw Sirens, congratulations to you. Uh, we, we applaud you for everything that you've done to come through into the season. It's been a struggle. And this weekend, they took on the champions, 53-44. to 44, They uh, get edged by the Brno Amazons. Brno finishes the season completely undefeated, 6-0. and They're going to move on to the uh, Rose Bowl championship, and so do the Warsaw Sirens. So this is going to be a rematch for all the marbles. It would be the biggest upset, biggest upset in the Euro scene for a long, uh, for, it's been for a while, but the biggest upset in the Euro scene if the Sirens somehow can upset the Brno Amazons, the undefeated Brno Amazons, uh, three uh, four-time champions. And if they can do it, they would, they would make a benchmark. They would create history in Poland. Uh, and given their struggles so far at the beginning of the season and midseason and now late season, um, they are asking for donations. So you can go directly to the Warsaw, uh, Warsaw Sirens page on Facebook and you can donate uh, to a crowdfunding fund to make sure that they get to the championship at this point on November 10th. So a great scene, great season in uh, the Czech Republic as well. What an amazing uh, journey so far. Uh, we knew the bar, uh, uh, Brno Amazons would finish strong here. They have proven uh, that to be the fact. They are the best of the best, and basically they are, they are the best team in the Czech Republic. Uh, this past weekend, the Battle of Prague, it was the Prague Harpies taking on the Black Cats, and the Black Cats edged the Harpies 33-19. to 19. A pretty good season for both teams. Uh, Harpies finished 3-3. Three and three. Uh, well, the Prague, uh, uh, Prague uh, Harpies uh, end up, I believe, two and three, or three, almost three and three as well. So it's an even match. So it's a, yeah, even 500 for both teams. Uh, but, you know, we can't say enough about the Sirens. They obviously mustered through. They came through. Uh, it was a really tough battle. Um, they lose the first week to the Harpies, 39-21. Then they go to... Week two against the Black Cats, and they edged them 33 to 20. 
Warsaw falls to Brno in week three, 56-19. They put up 20 points against them in week three. They go to uh, Prague Black Cats, and they edge the Cats by four points, 38-34. And then they go into Prague against the Harpies, and they get defeated 21-20 to by one point, but they never wavered. And then they go here uh, up against Brno the last week of the season, 53-44, doubling their point total against the uh, champions. And so a clash of a good matchup that we're expecting for Rose Bowl 5, and that would be on November 10th. That's going to be in the Czech Republic as well. Um, the other, uh, op- the other um, swing of the leagues is going to be in Austria. And let me go get that info here for Austria. So in Austria, we have um, the champions, of course, Dacia Vikings. They have steamrolled pretty much all season. They're undefeated. Uh, their last week five here is happening 62-0. to zero. We're going to get the results of the Telf and the Schwartz Hammers results have not come in. But Adasia has scored 248-0 to zero, uh, the whole season. So they have blown out everybody, have not allowed a touchdown all season. It's a very impressive defense on top of a very explosive offense. So it tells you a lot about this program in uh, Austria. So the, uh, the week one matchups were really exciting. Week two, uh, not so much in terms of Dacia versus the newbie, but every, they've blown up everybody. I mean, it's just an impressive outing for them. Um, it was just 26-0 week one, 66-0 week two. Uh, they go 36-0 uh, week three, week four. They put up 58-0. And this past week, they take care of the Budapest Wolves um, 62-0. We've got one more weekend to go here. Uh, we get a little bit of a bye week here for the Halloween season, our Halloween holiday. And then uh, week six, November 9th, week uh, November 10th, it'll be Danube against Budapest. Uh, this is the battle of two teams that are not very good. Uh, so it's a, you know, who can win the last week of the season is really what we're talking about here. Uh, Danube 1-3, Budapest 0-3, basically 0-4 now. So it's a battle of kind of winless teams and see who, who gets, you know, who gets another win or who gets their first win in the case of Budapest. Um, then the Schwartz Hammers will take on the Salzburg Ducks, and that will end the season here. And Salzburg is 1-3 so far, losing big 58-0 to zero this past weekend to, uh, I mean, two weeks ago to Dacia. And then you have the uh, Schwartz Hammers are 2-1. and one. Obviously, would love to get to 3-1. and one. And then it's going to be competitive in terms of the playoffs. Who's going to get to the end of the playoffs? It looks like Telf Patriots will be the matchup against Dacia Vikings, a very important matchup there. And uh, we'll keep tabs on it at, at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties, as well as we'll keep tabs with Dacia and the Schwartz Hammers as well on the, uh, on the scene in, in uh, Austria. So really exciting season there in Austria. It happens pretty well. Then we go to Italy. And it's a very young season in Italy. It just kicked off uh, October 12th and the 13th. Uh, United Roma lost to Aponia Unicorns 34-6. Uh, the Braves Bologna 18-0 winners against Pirates Savona. And then in week two on the 19th and 20th, um, Seaman Milan 64-12 over United Roma. Aponia Unicorns 14-14 against the Pirates Savona. 
And this past weekend on the 3rd, it was uh, United Roma taking on Brave Valona. We'll get details, updates, and we'll get uh, some of the highlights there as well at the hub at facebook.com for Sasquatch and Beauties. Um, so we'll look forward to that. And then next week, November 2nd, I'm sorry, the two weeks from now, November 2nd, it'll be at Pannonia Unicorns taking on the team in Milan. Should be a good battle there. Um, we'll see how the Unicorns fare against uh, Milan. It can be interesting. Milan's pretty tough right now. They're uh, the best team that won 64, put up 64 to 12 against United Roma. We'll see how they fare against Ponia Unicorns, which also uh, have played tough for two weeks in the season. So we'll look forward to that as well. Uh, but let's go to the Queensland scene and let's go to us Gridiron Australia, which is three seasons there at this point. And we have Gridiron Victoria and what an amazing run by the Northern Raiders. Northern Raiders have been kicking butt all season since the beginning, 40 to six versus Melbourne. Then they go on to take care of business against the champs, the Crusaders in week two, 60 to 32 going to week three and Northern Raiders 50 to 16 against Melbourne once again. Uh, Northern Raiders in week four, 50 to 16 against Croton Rangers. Uh, and then they get a, a 66 to zero win against Elon Bucks. And they have not stopped at all. 54 to zero against Croton once again. And then 54 34 in the rematch against the champions uh, on October 19th, week six. And we're looking forward to the, the matchup here this coming weekend. They get a bye. For the uh, for the uh, Halloween break, and then uh, Gridiron Victoria resumes action. Croydon versus Melbourne. Melbourne looking for their first win of the season here, trying to see if they can muster a win here. And then they get on Croydon. Croydon's one and two. They would love, I mean, one and three. They would love to come in and get that second win of the season. Melbourne uh, looking forward to not to fall to zero and five. So it'll be very exciting for them to try to get that win. Northern Raiders return to action November 10th, and this is going to be against the rematch against the champions. They beat them once before in week six, 54-34. They beat them in week two, 60-32. It is a competitive rivalry in Grand Victoria. It is a uh, kind of a mission, I guess you want to say, for the Northern Raiders, considering they are taking down the champs twice already, confidence building. Um, they, and no, no doubt, they are the best team in Victoria, and they're proving it. Uh, we have a couple weeks left in Greyhound Victoria after that. Uh, we go up to the middle of, or the uh, last week of November, and then we have the Opal, I mean, the, the championship, we have the championship uh, in December. So it's going to be a great, great uh, run here by the Raiders. As soon as they get back, uh, they go to week nine uh, against the Crusaders, then they're going to be taking on uh, pretty much their season ends at that point. And um, it's going to be just waiting for the championship and see who they, who they will have to face. The last two weeks of the season are really very crucial for the Crusaders uh, at this point to keep track and to keep two wins. Uh, this could be the rematch of the championship. So uh, it looks to me like this is going to be a battle for the title. Um, it's too early to tell at this point because we've got about uh, three weeks left. But uh, hats off to the Raiders. They are just steamrolling over everybody, and they've done an amazing job over in Victoria. And then we go to Queensland. In Gray and Queensland, you have a very interesting matchups here. Week 11, uh, it was Stingray 64-0 versus the Raptors. Uh, very, you know, everybody expected it to happen. Uh, to happen. Our no-joke football athlete, 
out there, uh, Lauren Evans, and uh, taking taking awesome uh, offense out there with uh, the talent that she's got on her team. And then Ravens, 20 to 18, they edge the Thunder. You can watch it uh, via live uh, live stream Brisbane on the Facebook page at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. And you go there now and you can watch it. The whole game, 20 to 18. Uh, shout out to our uh, MVP, all-star, and champion and no-joke football original athlete, brand athlete, and that's Christy Moran. Three TDs and takes her team to the victory, 20 to 18 versus the Thunder. And also shout out to our amazing uh, new athlete, new joke football athlete, which is Amanda Ewers and coach as well of the Thunder. So what a, what a classic matchup for both. Both of our athletes, uh, outstanding performances on the field. Go check it out at the hub, facebook.com forward slash abuse. Both of our no-joke football athletes just balled out on this game. You can watch uh, Christy Moran and Amanda Ewers uh, on the on the uh, broadcast through the live stream Brisbane. And thanks to our network partners in Gridiron Australia as well for making all this possible for us to share posts and everything else and live stream as well. Really, really appreciate it. You guys do an amazing job out there. Um, and then uh, just, you know, t- keep doing what you're doing. It's an awesome job out there. So we got one more week in Gridiron Queensland. And that's going to be right after the uh, Halloween break. And that's going to be week 12, uh, 11, uh, November 2nd. And that will be Thunder taking on Raptors. Should be an easy win, hopefully. Uh, Raptors have struggled all season. They're going to get better and better. Uh, obviously, defeat at, at, at some point makes you stronger. Uh, but they're going to get better and better, and hopefully that's the case. But if they want to do anything uh, on the last week, it's to upset Thunder. That would be the good thing for the Morton Bay Raptors. And then we get the a classic uh, battle, the staple battle in Grand Queensland, and that's going to be Christy Moran's uh, Bayside Ravens taking on Lauren Evans's Gold Coast Stingrays. That's going to be a great matchup there. And then we will have the playoffs and Sun Bowl 2019 matchup. So coming up in Grand Queensland, we have two weeks left, about a three weeks if you include the holiday, uh, Halloween holiday. Three weeks left in the season, and then we get the uh, battle and the run for the Sun Bowl. Looks to me like Thunder Bayside. Uh, Bayside looks to try to return to the championship to defend their title. The Thunder have been an impressive uh, team from day one this season, and they continue to impress. So hats off to Amanda Ewers, uh, coach, quarterback, linebacker. She's done it all. And to the staff out there, Kessie Cubis as well. Um, they've done a great job of getting the Thunder team in a uh, making a statement in Queensland. So we will see who's going to be in the final, whether it be Ravens, Stingrays, or at this point it really looks like it's going to be Bayside versus uh, Griffith Thunder. So it's going to be a great matchup there as well. So we go to Gridiron New South Wales. And it's a great season there, very long, a longer season than the than Queensland and Victoria. It goes through the end of November at this point. So we got a couple more weeks, almost a four or five weeks left in Gridiron, New South Wales. Uh, it was, it's been a tough road for some teams. Other teams is very, very impressive. Uh, so we go to week 10, Central West Giants de- defeated by the uh, Northern uh, UNSW Raiders, the return of the Raiders uh, from a year off. Now they make a statement here. Four and one. Um, Renee Hahn and company out there in Raider uniforms as well. 26 to zero. The Raiders take care of Central West. Central West falls to two and four. Raiders four and one. 
Then you got UTS, who's had a, who's had a horrible season all all season here. Uh, low numbers, not really making. You know that makes a big difference if you don't have the proper staffing. So they fall 21 to zero versus Sydney in a, by a forfeit because of the low numbers. Um, so the Sydney Lions, the champs, uh, get the forfeit win 21 to zero, and then you get these uh, Central Central Coast Sharks. Um, they lose to North Sydney Rebels 26 to zero. Looks to me like this is the matchup uh, where Sydney versus Sydney could be the matchup here in in the final stretches, but we won't know until about three or four weeks from now. But coming up week 11, November 12th, after the Halloween break, we're going to get a, about a week or so, and then uh, Gridiron uh, New South Wales returns at the return of November 12th. Uh, you're going to get uh, – yeah, November November 2nd, I'm sorry. November 2nd, miswrote that. November 2nd, we're going to get Central West taking on North Sydney. UTS taking on UNSW. I don't know if they'll if UTS is going to forfeit since they forfeited this past week. We don't know the status then until we get to the, that week. Then November 9th, it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting. Three matchups, very crucial as well. Central West uh, against UTS. Neocon against Central Coast Sharks. That could be a battle of both teams really with the playoff contention type mentality in the middle of the pack. And then you got Sydney versus UNSW. And that's going to be a really exciting matchup. The champs against the return of the Raiders this season has been awesome. So it's a very competitive matchup there. So new new uh, New South Wales, rare New South Wales, pretty impressive season so far in in the matchups. Uh, we have a, until like I said, November 23rd in that aspect of it. So we are going to swing over to Mexico at this point, and we have uh, FX Mexico kicked off October 13th. Uh, Vietnamitas, 20 to 10, they lose to Leonis, and a very competitive matchup there by both teams. A good outing defensively by Leonis, and then you had um, Horta Dorado, they lose 35 to 6 to the Thunder Girls. Thunder Girls impressive season last year, so they come across and keep rolling as always. And then you had Panthers lose to Demonius, uh, 26 to 12 in that opening matchup. The Bulldogs, very impressive win, 32-10 versus the Rockets. That was week one, so very competitive matchups in between, uh, you know, the FX uh, FX week one. And then week two, Thunder, 22-19 against Leonas. Leonas fall at this point. Uh, Horta Dorado, uh, lose again, 28-8 against Demonias. The Rockets fall once again. 18-7 18 to 7 versus the Panthers. Panthers sort of rebound from week one. The Rockets, uh, two in a row, 0 and 2 now. Leonis are 1 and 1. Thunder, 2 and 0. Uh, Vietnam, uh, Vietnamitas uh, fall once again, 35 to 6 versus the Bulldogs. Bulldogs, impressive 2 and 0 start here. And Dragonas, Rojos, um, the Red Dragons, uh, they win one matchup of a dual matchup, and the Raiders win one matchup of a dual matchup. So 1 and 0, 1 and 0. And then week three is Thunder, 18 to 13. So the Raiders edge the Thunder, give them their first loss of the season. So they're two and one. Raiders are basically impressive, two and zero. Oh. Uh, the Red Dragons, 21 to zero versus Vietnamitas. And then you had Rockets rebound, 13 to six against Florida Dorada. The Bulldogs stay undefeated with a 14 to zero tough battle against the Panthers. Uh, hats off to the Panthers. They've played very tough each game. Uh, at the beginning of the game, uh, tw- they've only allowed 26 points the first week. 
They allowed seven the second week, and now here we go. They only allow 14 points to the Bulldogs. Very impressive for the Panthers as they continue to grow there. Leona's rebound, 48-6 to against Demonius. And so we'll get all the, the storylines, the recaps, the MVPs. You can go to FX Mexico on Facebook, and you'll get uh, some of the uh, updates and recaps from individual games uh, from us at the Facebook page. And thanks to our network partners in Mexico for helping us out as well and making big coverages for us to share. So thanks again. And then you have Lexfa that kicked off this past weekend. Um, last two weeks in in, um, in Lexfa. So let me get that paperwork here. Um, so a lot of action happening, especially down, down south in Mexico because the season just kicked off. And it's a great season for both both teams as well. Um, both leagues, I meant. Not both teams, but both leagues. So Lexfa uh, kicked off on October 20th. Uh, Valkyria, uh, Valkyria's 51-6 over Phoenix. Thundergirls 49-0 over the Gators. Uh, Toritos, uh, the mini, the little bulls of Texcoco, 18-8 against Aztecas. The uh, Cowgirls, 13-12 in a very defensive battle against Pelican Rhinos. The Rangers of Veracruz, 44-0, route the Cobras, the Red Cobras. And then in week two, the Rhino end up uh, rebounding 41-0, taking on take care of the Hornets after a, a one-point loss to the Cowgirls in week one. The Phoenix loses consecutively two weeks in a row now, and they've only been able to muster six points. They lose to Toritos 30-6. to Toritos improved to 2-0. and um, They're playing really good defense there and only allowing uh, an average of about a touchdown so far, so really good. Stormtroopers 47-0. They lose to the Jefes, the Chiefs, and then uh, Aztecas 35-6 as the Aztecas rebound from that uh, loss to Toritos. Uh, 35 to six against the Red Cobras. Red Cobras fall to two and uh, 0 and two, and uh, um, Aztecas fall or uh, improved to one and one. Uh, the Gladiadores, the, glad, the Gladiators, um, zero to 14. Valkyrias defeat them 14 to zero. So that means Valkyrias really two and 0. A really good start for them as well. Harlequin 48 to zero. They route Carneros. Carneros are uh, just not really good at this point. So 48 to zero. Harlequin's working on it. Week three here, we get the um, bye week for the Halloween break, and then uh, Lexfa comes back. Week three, uh, November 3rd, and we're going to have action there as well. Hefes, Carnavoca uh, taking on Thundergirls. We have Carneros versus Hornets. Valkyrias versus Rangers. Uh, Gators taking on Gladiorias. Uh, Harley Quinn versus Aztecas. Toritos versus Cowgirls. Stormtroopers versus the Rhinos. Everything uh, that's coming up, including the recaps and the results, and you will get it directly from Lexfa, which has been a very odd, good relationship for us. And we will get those up and running at the hub at facebook.com as soon as week three commences. You can go to the hub now, and you can get all the recaps there of everything that's happened in the game the last week and a half, including the last two weeks, and get the lowdown on everything that's happening in the Europe scene, Central America scene, as well in the scene in Europe completely all together, and Gridiron Australia. So really awesome. And thanks to again, once again to our network partners for helping us out. And you guys, if you don't go to the Hub weekly, you're missing out. This, this is what it is. You're missing out. Uh, all this laboring that we do, all this networking that we've done since 2010, it is to bring awareness to the sport, to bring awareness to women's American football specifically, whether it be legend style or traditional NFL. And so we do it out of love for the sport. 
And just like the players play for no pay, we obviously are doing it for no pay. So it's the same kind of win-win. So we got to make sure that if you see something impactful at on our page, just make sure you share it with your friends, family, and everything else, and then share it. That way it gets exposed and people are aware that women do play American football at a high level and their game is no-joke football. So speaking of no-joke football, you can go to the shop this week, uh, today, this week specifically for today only, 20% off at the shop. So you go Deals as Tuesday, Deals as Tuesday, 20% off. You can get any, any tea, tank, hoodie, or legging, or anything else at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Zazzle's been our sponsor for almost seven years now, six to seven years now, and we can't be more grateful to them for entrusting us. Um, so go to the hub at, uh, at Facebook.com. There's the Shop Now link up there, or you can go directly to the Zazzle shop, zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Check it out. Get your 20% off. Uh, if you subscribe to Zazzle Black, it's about $10, one-time charge. And if you buy from us, it makes sense. So just do $9.99 for one-time charge, and you get 12 months of free shipping. So you just basically get free shipping for a whole year, and you save a lot of money on the shipping. So if you buy from us, or even if you buy from Zazzle as well, so check it out. You can get Zazzle Black as well. So uh, the new shop has been revamped. Check out our new stuff at the shop, get some tees, hoodies, and support uh, women's American football. And why not support it? Just uh, one shirt you got to wear. Just order the No Joke Football shirt. So when they ask you, what's that? You say, that's me, because I play amazing football. And that's American football played by women, awesome women. So No Joke Football brand there. Um, we're happy to be co-sponsors of the Women's Hall of Fame. That's going to happen uh, during the uh, December 4th through the 8th so check it out go to the women's hall of fame facebook page as well and you get all the details there and all the inductees for this year so coming up in the uh, next week and the week after we're going to be lining up some of the uh, amazing talented 2019 class hall of famers so we can spotlight their uh, passion for the game what how they got started and what it means for them to be honored uh, in las vegas this year uh, at the 2019 women's hall of fame so check it out there and go to Zazzle, like I said, and help us out, zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. If you haven't gone to um, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts or Player FM or TuneIn or any of the other platforms or Block Talk Radio primarily, but if you want to go to Apple uh, Podcasts or iHeart, just search Gridiron Beauties. Uh, give us some high ratings. That way we get visibility. Uh, people will be made aware that the uh, the podcast exists, number one. Number two, people will be listening to us weekly, and then they'll be aware that women do play American football at a high level, whether it be in the States, uh, North America, Central America, South America, or Europe, or even Australia. So check us out. Um, go there and uh, tell your friends about it. It'll be awesome. We'll get salty here in about a half hour, and then we're going to be diving into college football. We're diving into the NFL uh, primarily. So I wanted to go to the winners and losers of the uh, of the trade deadline. So this year's NFL trade deadline was uh, kind of unique in a way because big trades have normally become the normal around this time of year, and it seemed like no no blockbuster deals were here. Even the Jets and the Giants weren't that big of a deal. They didn't want to they didn't want a deal at all. But it started with uh, obviously the trade that sent Jalen uh, Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars to the Rams. And that was really a, a good thing for 
both players, and then it was also Amanders, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, really good moves. They go from losing teams, primarily Denver and Jacksonville, to contenders, which is the Rams at this point and the 49ers. Um, so it was a really good, really good move there. So there's some winners in this trade deadline, uh, Atlanta being one of them. Uh, so being able to acquire a second-round pick um, for a third, you know, third receiver at this point. So they gave up um, Mohamed Sanu to New England earlier in October. So Sanu is a good, it was a good, good player. However, since Kyle Shanahan has moved on to the San Francisco 49ers, it just seems to be like the Atlanta Falcons are not dialed as they were once a prominent playoff and Super Bowl contender. So the long-term plans for the Falcons, I think, have changed. So this trade also enables uh, Calvin Ridley to receive more targets and become more of a focal point for their offense. It also allows them some, you know, Matt Ryan to kind of uh, kind of retool this whole offense, uh, given the fact that he didn't really fit into the model in terms of their scheme. So that puts him in a position where he goes to New England. We'll see how New England and Belichick uses Sanu at this point. But you, if you're Sanu, what better way to go than leave Atlanta and then you're heading over to the undefeated Patriots? Same concept that we talked about last week when Emmanuel Sanders uh, left from, you know, his point in Bronco land to the Niners at this point, given the success of the Niners and, Cal House, uh, um, and Shanahan as well. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of players that really benefited uh, from the bumps. Um, so nobody, I really think, on trade deadlines went from, like, a good team to a worse team, which is very very rare when that happens. But most players did take advantage of going from a bad fourth team or non-playoff team to a good playoff team or a contending playoff team. So that really works out. The Giants, I think, were the biggest losers. If you want to get into, you know, details, uh, their GM, uh, gentleman, had a plan before he, he abandoned it by drafting Daniel Jones in April. Uh, obviously, it's a retool. Eli Manning's probably over the hill. They're probably throwing him out now at this point. So they were not exactly sure what the plan, you know, or I mean Giants fans at this point don't even know what the what the plan is in New Jersey. So we, we do know is that the Giants uh, gave up a third-round pick in 2020 and a mid-rounder in 2021 to acquire uh, um, defensive tackle Leonard Williams. The Giants uh, already used two defensive tackles uh, in that of stud rookie Dexter Lawrence when they acquired uh, when they got when they acquired him when they let Beckham go to um, the Browns and then they have Delvin Tolmanson. Uh, so where does Williams fit in is really the question. At two and six, the Giants. Um, I don't presume they made this trade for the remainder of the season, but at this point, no guarantees long term, and it just doesn't make sense that you are trying to rebuild midseason. It just it's weird the way it is. You left you know, you let go of a lot of good talent in the off season and you decided to bench a former Super Bowl quarterback. And then all of a sudden you're going into this mode where, okay, we're gonna give this to the young fella, Jones, but I guess we don't have enough personnel or weapons or to build around him. So it's not really good try to rebuild mid uh, during trade in the middle of a season it just doesn't work right so the Giants are I would say a mess not just uh, on the field but obviously 
also as well as, as the uh, front office. A lot, a lot to deal with in 2020 if they plan to get back to some sort of winning ways. Uh, San Francisco, obviously the big winner in desperate need of a proven pass catcher on the outside. San Francisco dealt a third and fourth round pick to the Broncos for Emmanuel Sanders. And uh, Holly Custis was here last week, and she was really stoked at the fact that they only gave up a fourth-round pick to the Broncos and a fifth-round pick. So they didn't give up much of anything. The question remains, as we talked about last week, I was really high on that too because uh, a high-potential productive Sanders is scary. Can he be productive is the word. So Sanders uh, paid off immediately, recording a touchdown on his initial possession as a member of the Niners in the blowout win over the Panthers. An impressive win by San Francisco over the Carolina Panthers, uh, 51-13. to Really impressive on, on defense, but all offensively. We are looking, I think, I mentioned it before on the podcast, we are literally looking at a Atlanta Falcons of two years ago. And Kyle Shanahan's really rebuilding the San Francisco 49ers to mirror his success in Atlanta. And it's, I mean, why not? You know, if it works, it works. So he was missing some pieces in, we, in year one because you inherited certain things. And then in, in year two, fine-tuning some of those pieces. And it looks to me like Lynch and Shanahan are really kind of, you know, buffing out some stuff here, making things shine now. So, so the question is whether yielding two mid-round picks for an impending free agent makes sense. That would be the question that we have. We won't know the results or the answer to that question until we realize the fifth rounder from San Francisco go back to, you know, being a thousand picks or lower or something weird happens in the draft. But now at 7-0 and on, in, on the season, the Niners made a win-now move. And so far, you know, one weekend, Sanders has paid off, and that's what they needed to get done. So they made the, the bold move there. So the losers – I would say my Rams. My Rams are somewhat of a loser for the trade deadline. Is Jalen Ramsey good? That is the question. Most say yes. I say yes. I think he's he's proven that. He did pretty well this past weekend against the Bengals. He's one of the best cover guys in the NFL. He's 25. He's pretty young. So I, I, and, and on that side of things, I think that makes sense. Uh, Los Angeles really just, you know, we, we needed something. Uh, after losing three consecutive games. And so the general manager just put himself up and said, hey, we got to get somebody that can stop the run, somebody that can be scary in the secondary. Um, so there are a, a lot more layers in that sense. So they they dealt away two first-round picks and, and a change for Ramsey without making a deal. And that's the scary part. I think that's where I'm more concerned with. I think he's a great player, but without a – him committing to a long-term deal, um, you know, he could be gone in a year and would, we gave up two first-round picks uh, that could hurt us down the road. Um, we still, uh, you know, we're paying Goff. We're paying Gurley. Gurley's somewhat injury-prone at this point, not the same Gurley as he was before. Brandon Cooks, we got Aaron Donald we gave good money to. Uh, how he will fit here, we won't know until another, you know, two or three weeks because he's barely – getting the scheme done and he only played one game you know this past week so keeping the depth that will be needed uh to stay competitive with san francisco to stay competitive with seattle and then the up-and-coming cardinals so it's an it's a basically an idea where 
they needed to add more fuel to the Rams. So the Rams dealt a fifth-round pick to the Dolphins in order um, in order for Miami to take uh, Tlaib's contract and had to move Marcus Peters to make room for uh, Ramsey. So a huge price to pay to get Jalen Ramsey rostered into the squad. So um, a lot of question marks in terms of Ramsey, how productive it will be. So we will see in the next couple of weeks here as we get deeper, deeper and closer to playoff time, whether this move was warranted or whether this move was really good. But at this point, I would say based on the tread, uh, tr- uh, trade deadline, uh, giving up two first round uh, picks uh, could, could be considered on the losing end of things right now until something else happens. That would be the losing end of things. Uh, one of the winners would be Oakland. Uh, Mayock has just, and Gruden, uh, they have just put in a, a relationship with corner, uh, cornerback Aaron Conley. The former first round selection was Reggie McKenzie's pick. So it's not uh, kind of surprising that the Raiders dealt the ineffective cornerback away ahead of the deadline. So surprising that the Raiders were able to net a third round pick from Houston in the deal. Conley uh, didn't fit in Oakland. The team is high on young corners like Mullen and Johnson. So Nabini mid round pick to add to their, you know, their draft uh, potential was an absolute win for the Raiders. So they made some moves there necessary for Gruden and Mayock after the dumpster fire that is Antonio Brown. And if, if you're an Antonio Brown fan or were an Antonio Brown fan, uh, perfect time to clown him because everybody on Twitter is clowning him. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but it is what it is. And so he kind of already asked for it. So here we go. We got Antonio Brown clowns uh, all over uh, Twitter and social media for the Halloween break. So that that's interesting to see. Uh, the losers, I would say, would be Detroit. Another loser would be Detroit. Uh, they found themselves at 2-3-1 and one into week eight. The team still had a pretty good playoff hopes, but after taking out the Giants on Sunday, uh, Patricia's squad moved to 500 in between all this. The Lions traded uh, Quandre Diggs to the so- uh, Seahawks. That deal included Detroit sending a 2021 seventh-round pick to Seattle in exchange for a 2020 fifth-round pick. So I don't know you know, how, how you say of the trip, but it would just it seemed to be more financial than anything with Diggs having just signed a three-year, $18.6 million extension. So the Lions lost um, fellow safety Tracy Walker to injury this, this past week. It's not the type of move that inspires confidence considering you were trying to get into the playoff race. The winners, I think, were the Jets in this trade deadline. We'd have to give the Jets credit. Um, it was basically deadline time almost, one-win squad basically going to be a seller. However, it didn't seem like the uh, the new general manager, uh, Douglas, had a lot to offer other teams. So that changed big time when New York traded um, Leonard Williams to the Giants right in the, across the street on Monday. So this deal included the Jets acquiring a third-round pick in 2020 and a mid-round selection in 2021. Not a bad deal, I guess, if you're going to leave Jersey and free agency this uh, coming March. And then the other uh, losers would be pretty much ahead. Um, J.J. Watts injured in Houston. So when the Texans dealt a bounty for uh, L- Laramie Tunzel uh, before giving up a pass rusher 
clowny for pennies on the dollar. It's a symptom of, I think, Houston not having a, I guess, a good general manager at this point after firing their major general manager gain. Um, so looking at the, the picture now, given J.J. Watt's uh, injury, that's where Houston's decision to acquire um, Jerome Conley from Oakland for a third-round pick comes into play. So the Texans have struggled against the pass, uh, but yielding such a valuable pick when you're you know, pretty much limited at this point makes no real sense. So we'll see how they're devastated in the next couple of weeks. I mean, they do have their quarterback, Watson, so they've done really well trying to maneuver that. We'll see how those things affect them in the long run. Um, so as noted before Jacksonville, um, Ramsey is dealt to the Rams, of course. So it became too much for the Jaguars to handle. The Pro Bowler uh, did not get along with apparently uh, team president Tom Coughlin. And Jacksonville was not about to uh, choose the corner over its top front end figure. In the end, uh, move, moving Ramsey made sense. So the simple fact that the uh, Jacksonville were able to add two first-round picks and a mid-rounder for Ramsey is stunning. Uh, good move for them. It seems the team's uh, moving forward as long as it's, as its draft is well, you know, maneuvered. It's also important to note that the Jags have won two consecutive since trading the the Rams the Ramsey man. So that's I guess that's good and bad. I guess uh, you it's, it might be an indication that the corner uh, was a maybe a headache overall, and that how that's why how you impacted the team. So I guess uh, the Jaguars sell high and reap the rewards later. So Jacksonville is just doing that. So I guess that's great. Uh, the other team we got to talk about is Denver. So acquiring the equivalent of a third-round pick for Sanders, um, I guess John Elway was pretty happy with that. However, uh, you still have Joe Flacco there, which is not very good. Uh, so you move fellow impending free agent Chris Harris Jr. ahead of the deadline, and no, and made no real sense at all, of course. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know where Elway seems to be driving the Bronco mode. So pretty much a pie in the sky mentality from a general manager. So good. Um, I don't know. Unfortunately, the Broncos are going to remain in not very good because of Mr. Elway. So we'll see how that pans out there. But the trade deadline, I mean, it really it was interesting to see how each each team trying to benefit themselves in terms of how can they get ahead. And especially when you get to a mode where um, you're getting into that situation where we're in the midway through the season and you get playoff contentions here, you see how they're going to, you know, how they're going to impact anything in terms of how you're going to get over the hump in terms of if you need somebody to make a, make an impact on on defense, special teams, or on offense, uh, considering some of the majority of the teams don't have really good durable quarterbacks, except for some, a couple named quarterbacks like Rogers or, you know, or Brady, that kind of deal. So, you know, just, we'll see how that goes, but, um, let's go into talking about the rankings because the rankings have changed a lot. And San Francisco has been a key point to it. It hurts me to say this because obviously I'm a Rams fan. But, you know, as a football fan, you got to acknowledge uh, they've, they've been on a good ride. They, uh, they are very impressive against the Carolina Panthers this past weekend. Hats off to them, 51-13. to uh, Coleman ran the ball really well. Sanders in the mix. you got a lot of positives happening in San Francisco. Uh, Boza, just a beast, no different than my guy over in uh, in the Rams, uh, Aaron Donald. So they found a jewel, and they found a guy that can actually just 
tear an offense apart. And really what happened. <laughs> I felt bad for the Carolina Panthers this weekend. Really did. But watching the game, very impressive in terms of the Niners side of things. So if you go into the rankings at this point, um, if you put the rankings up for the NFC at this point, San Francisco. So who would have thought at the beginning of the season, besides Holly Custis here, who's our, uh, our co-host on the podcast, and a couple Niner fans probably, who would have thought that the Niners would win eight point, you know, eight point nine games for the entire season. I mean, that was a, that was, I'm sorry, that was a projection that they would only win about eight, eight and a half games. And it looks to me like they're they're going to surpass that really well. They're already at 78% of with where they would be in eight week uh, week eight. So they're taking some steps towards showing that they're a really good. Super Bowl contender, a la the Atlanta Falcons of two years ago. And that's really what this offense is being rebuilt around. If you take a look at the offense, they have all the tools that Atlanta had two years ago when they were contending for the Super Bowl. And this is this is Kyle Shanahan's team. Uh, we, can all, we can also mention, you know, Katie Sowers on the coaching staff. So shout out to Katie Sowers for doing a great job in San Francisco and putting this machine together that's obviously – on a high road, undefeated. And she was there last year when it wasn't such great, a great team. And now she's part of this huge ride. So, you know, shout out to her for being part of this uh, Shanahan coaching uh, staff. The Niners uh, have defeated the Rams, the Redskins, the Panthers, okay, by a combined score of 80 to 20. So the remaining question is, how will they fare against rivals Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson? whom will face in week 10 and week 17. And those two games could decide the NFC West for San Francisco. So that's the key right here. They've already beaten the Niners. Can they get over the Cardinals, which has been a Thor on their side forever? So can they beat the Cardinals? Murray and company know this. They, are, they all understand. Johnson knows this. Fitzgerald knows this, that the Niners somehow they cannot beat uh, the Cardinals somehow they've not been able to beat the Cardinals, but this is a totally different uh, regime and we'll see how they muster that. Uh, but, you know, they'll face their, their biggest test really will be the Seattle Seahawks and the Seattle, because of the fact that they're in that playoff mix as well, they're durable. Um, and Richard Sherman, it would not put it by him that, it would be nice for him to go back to Seattle twice in week 10 and week 17 and kind of snuff the Seattle Seahawks uh, hopes for a, you know, not just a division title, but maybe a playoff run. So that could be the case there. Um, so we'll look forward to that matchup that's coming up. And then the other team that everybody, you know, what do you do? You pick up Sanu and Belichick takes care of all these issues. You get rid of Brown. Uh, Gordon's a question mark. Have no idea what he's going to do, what he's capable of doing. He's not in the mix anymore. So after winning their first eight games by a combined um, total of 189, which is most in the NFL, the Patriots are the heavy favorites to win the AFC East. Obviously, because there's nobody there. Miami, no. The Jets, come on. Buffalo, okay. A little life beat, little heart, little heartbeat there, but other than that, they own the division. I mean, they they own this division. They own home field advantage. They own home field advantage since the beginning of the season. So unless you're like, 
a total dunkleberry and didn't realize it. Uh, <laughs> thank in part to the NFL for the easiest first half schedule for the Patriots. That's, that's what people will tell you. Like, oh, my God, they get the easiest schedule ever. Their opponents had, uh, I think it was like uh, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.25, 0. 0.250, I think is percentage, winning percentage. So all the teams they faced in the first uh, half of the season were completely crappy. <laughs> but it's worth noting that their schedule is about to get more difficult. So I guess that's good <laughs> if you're the rest of the crowd that says, damn, these Patriots, they always get their easy road. Um, three of their next five games are going to be away from Gillette Stadium, and all five opponents currently have a record of 500 or better. Yay! So everybody's kind of like, yes, finally the Patriots get some competition. Uh, there's no reason to think the Patriots are on the brink of collapse, okay? Uh, but <laughs> their own urgency is upgrading personnel. So most, you know, picking up Sanu, kind of a bonus in a way, if you think about it. But next man up, even with the debacle that was, that was uh, Antonio Brown, even with the question mark that is Josh Gordon, um, <laughs> I'm just saying it's like uh, they know how to win. It doesn't matter. I mean, and what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to blame them because the NFL gave them a week schedule in the beginning of the year? That's kind of stupid. But anyways, that's the issue uh, with them, and they're not going to – they don't have an issue. <laughs> they're going to win the division. They're going to punch their ticket to the playoffs and uh, like they normally do, unless some sort of major injury comes out of that. Uh, Belichick's got them riding high. Um, defensively, they, they are just – killing people and of course they're killing people because uh every, the debate is obviously that they play weak teams and they played weak teams in <laughs> through eight weeks already so everybody's like okay you don't don't hype them up so much so we'll see what the next the second half of the season and how well that defense goes in it in that sense um but let's give a shout out to the colts the colts at this point in the season if we re evaluate them andrew luck said i'm sorry i you know due to my injuries due my you know my health Am I, you know, being, being a human to get out of the sport alive and walking? Uh, he decided to bail this summer. So not only are, are they in the playoff mix with Brissett, Ebron, and Pascal, and, of course, Hilton, um, I don't know. They, they, look, they look like a, a competitive team in the AFC South with wins over the Texans, wins over the Titans, and also in a conference tiebreaker after beating the Chiefs this month. So uh, if you're a Colts fan right now, you obviously feel good, <laughs> number one, because you were feeling horrible at the beginning of the season. But now you feel really good. So the games against the Steelers, 2-4, and four, a Dolphins 0-8, followed by three consecutive division games. This is the Colts' remaining schedule. This is an opportunity for them to – uh, kind of like change over their season, the mentality, in other words, at the beginning of the season, where they felt like, hey, we're done. We're done for the year. You know, the, the hearts crushed, as an example. But they didn't give up. So their up, upcoming schedule sets them up well. Uh, with games against the Steelers, Steelers not too good, uh, two and four. The Dolphins, obviously, and the Steelers and Dolphins just play this weekend. And so <laughs> uh, Miami – uh, puts up 14 points. The Steelers look pretty decent, 27-14 to 14 on Monday night. Uh, they had some playmakers with Connor and, and company. Uh, they're going to follow – the Colts will follow up by three consecutive division games. 
They've already beaten the Texans. They've already beaten the Titans. So the reality is if they can run the table in terms of the conference game, the division game, in terms of the division games, uh, if they stay hot, the Colts could lock up the AFC South by the beginning of the December. That would be the first week of December. So who would have thought that the Indianapolis Colts at this point, we would be even be talking about a playoff team given the, the fact that Andrew Luck was not coming back. So, you know, uh, Brissett, you got to give him credit. Pascal credit, Hilton credit, Ebron, everybody on offense, you got to give him credit, but you've got to give that cold defense a massive shout out because they have taken care of business against Texans. They took care of business against the Titans. They took down the juggernaut machine that everybody was fearing, which was the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this month. So shout out to the Colts. They're five and two, very under the radar. And if you had to ra- uh, rank them in terms of the rankings by conference, shout out to them. They're number two, right behind the you know the evil empire that is the New England Patriots. So hats off to them. Um, number three, very impressive. I've been impressed with Jackson the whole season. The Ravens' strong start has been pretty much, you know, and it was pretty good at the at the beginning. The rest of the FC North is a combined four and seventeen. Uh, they play in a horrible division. I mean, they really do. So at this rate, the Ravens could probably finish the season four and five and still make the playoffs because of the division being so horrible. They don't want it to come out to that, of course. But you know, when things go your way, I guess things go your way. I would rather be uh, a champion, you know, a division champion in a lousy division, uh, and get into the playoffs and then maybe prove myself that way. Uh, but they don't. I don't think they want to go that route. But of course, their week seven performance in Seattle suggests they'll be a major player in the conference during the second half of the season. But they have almost as much cushion as the Patriots entering November. So five and two for the Ravens. Um, More impressed with the Colts than I am with the Ravens. The Ravens just play in a lousy division at this point. I mean, the Browns are horrible. The Bengals are horrible. The Steelers are mediocre. I mean, they just play in a bad division. Um, Let's go to Kansas City here. The Chiefs have been surprisingly competitive. So all season, if we narrow it down through uh, the, the, the middle of the season here, Patrick Mahomes' knee injury really doesn't affect them that much. I think Moore can finish off a victory over the Broncos and keep the Chiefs competitive. Uh, so, I mean, I think that can, that can happen, uh, even though they just lost to the Packers. Mahomes could return as early as week nine from the reports that we're getting from all the sources. And fortunately for the Chiefs, there really hasn't been another AFC West team showing any signs of heartbeat. The Raiders are not going to be there. The Chargers, come on. Denver, seriously. I mean, so the closest might be uh, maybe the Raiders, three and four, whom the Chiefs defeated in week two. So in reality, Kansas City really just has to ride the wave until Mahomes gets back, which is a week or two. Uh, Matt Moore, I think, can do that. He's got his weapons, Kelsey. He's got, you know, everybody on top of on top of the game there. Um, disappointing McCoy, of course, but, you know, just being productive, I guess, if you want to call it that. But uh, Matt Moore just needs to finish off a victory over the Broncos and then keep the Chiefs competitive through week. Um, you know, just keep them competitive. That's all he's got to do. 
the the one team that we are kind of like not talking about, we were talking about it and we joked about it at the beginning of the year, and that team was the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills have played the way uh, the way many thought they would this season, uh, with a power uh, good powered by a good defense, of course. Um, they have mostly survived with a below uh, below average offense, and I think that's. Yeah, they they just they're not they're not that great on offense, in other words. But they they get the job done. So when their defense encountered a, a, a really tough matchup, as they did on Sunday against the uh, Eagles, and they lost 31 to 13, they just couldn't count on their offense to do the difference. So Bill's offense is really uh, a a kind of like Achilles' heel for them. They're only averaging 18, I think 18 offensive points per game. They're number 24 in the NFL, so they're pretty this poor uh so at this point can that formula hold up in a wild card race can they get to wild cards they're five and two their schedule is going to get a little tougher here uh, but they do play in a horrible division they've played well against miami they've played well against the jets so those other two teams that i'm talking about are beatable by buffalo can they be competitive against uh the patriots once again there's a lot of things that need to happen in order for in order for uh, things to kind of work out for them, but we'll see how that works out for for Buffalo. But we were joking at the beginning of the season, and it's like, okay, well, it might they might not happen, it might not happen. Uh, the Texans, as long as Deshaun Watson, which I have on my fantasy uh, player, and he's a, just giving me points like a beast every week. So uh, as long as he remains on the field, the Texans will always have a chance. Very Im- impressive uh, player. He's one of the handful of probably NFL players who can generally carry a team to victory, uh, like Russell Wilson, for example, uh, as he did on Sunday, uh, escaping from the Raiders' pass rush to throw the winning touchdown. So Houston is a playoff team as long as Watson is healthy. We have J.J. Watts that went out, uh, but the Texans are, are going to be in a fight. And we talked about those Colts uh, earlier. I talked about, you know, Brissett and company, and uh, Houston really has to be kind of scared at the fact that they're going to have to face the Colts down the road here. And so, you know, their Colts defense has improved tremendously, and they're not giving up, and th- their offense is pretty skilled. So Pasquale, um, Hilton, Ebron, when they get when they get going, and a Brissett can get them the ball, they're pretty scary. So the Texans, hopefully they don't lose some uh, attack mode on defense, but the Texans are in – for an expected fight with the Colts for the division title. And they have once again, you know, uh, J.J. Watts going out. That's not going to be really good. There's no certainty um, in terms of what they're going to do to replace him at this point. But it looks to me like that's going to be the case here. In the NFC, in the, NFC uh, the race, we, you know, if you're a Saints fan, you were dreading Drew Brees going out. You're like, oh, my God, Drew Brees is out. What happened to this guy? Oh my God, we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to kind of like maneuver. But Bridgewater has said yes, we can. So he has started two more games, which is five. Um, then Breeze, which is three. But with Breeze back in the lineup and Camara expected to return after the bye week, uh, I really think New Orleans is primed for another deep run in the playoffs. They, I mean, if you're gonna bet against Drew Breeze, I just think you're a fool because nine times out of ten he's gonna do what he's gonna do and. He's a really good quarterback. Um, he, he does have off games, but it's very rare. So their first eight games have comprised the second most difficult schedule in the NFL. So compared to the Patriots, people, 
the Saints got the uh, luxury of the second most difficult schedule in the NFL, according to the, uh, you know, the strength of schedule, the FPI. Um, but, but their remaining schedule ranks number 16. So they'll have some little leeway in terms of how they maneuver themselves. So they're seven and one right next to the Niners in the NFC. And then lo and behold, we all knew uh, Rogers wasn't going to take very long for Aaron Rodgers uh, to make a statement considering it all. So the Packers have hit their stride with the midseason run through the AFC West. Um, they crushed the Raiders in week seven. They outlasted the Chiefs in week eight. And they will play at the Chargers in week nine. So the only real competitive matchup here is going to be Raiders and Chiefs because I don't think the Chargers are going to be that great. So they have a two-game division lead over the Vikings, courtesy of the victory at Lambeau in week two. But a week 16 would be their rematch. And that would probably be the, the game that will decide uh, the NFC North championship. So um, let's, get, let's go into uh, bringing in the salty one here as we're talking NFL, and we'll go into college uh, football for the remainder of the podcast here. So, Mackenzie, are you on? How are we doing, Oscar? I am. I'm doing I'm doing well cuz I'm just barely going to get to your to your Cowboys. How how ironic that you always come on when I'm about to get to Cowboys. You you and Luis are just like they're always coming on when I'm talking I'm be talking Cowboys here. You know, it's kind of weird. I think our, you know, us being football players our our senses tend to tingle whenever you talk about our teams. It's, it's a little weird. It's like a seventh sense almost. All right, so Mackenzie, I just ran through the rankings. That's where I'm going through right now, um, through week eight, right, uh, through eight weeks here, mm-hmm. um, midway through the season. So I was just saying that, you know, uh, what a great job by the Colts, right? Andrew Luck was going to just, okay, no no Andrew Luck, right? Oh, we're going to go with Brissett. I don't know what's going to happen, right? But these Colts have been impressive. They take down the Chiefs defensively. Uh, their own, they, they took down the Texans. They took down the Titans. Uh, I mean, if, if I had oh, to, like, absolutely. just kind of evaluate the middle of the season, I, you know, we got to give a shout-out to the Colts. Just They just – they're in the mix. Absolutely. And, you know, and for the past couple of years, unfortunately, they haven't quite – they've always been about a step or two behind, you know, being back in, you know, into relevancy. But, I mean, right now, you know, Jacoby Brissett has really been one of the – I like to call it – I like to call him a sleep, like a sleeper. Well, he's he's one of those sleeper players, and you know. Yeah, I agree. You know, he's good as back. You know, he's good as a backup, and as has been kicking butt as a starter. Um, so I guess I can't really call him a sleeper right now, but I mean that's kind of what he's had as a career. And each, I mean, each time that he's had to step in, or you know, his number's been called, he's done pretty much nothing but perform and well. Um, Mac, um, they own the tiebreaker because after beating the Chiefs. They own the tiebreaker. So they have a pretty clear path. If they stay hot, uh, which I presume they will, they could lock up the AFC South by the beginning of December. So they could be AFC division champs in, and, and have almost a month before the playoffs start. They could punch their ticket in. That's pretty impressive if you start looking at their schedule. The next schedule is against uh, two and four Steelers, and then they get Miami, which not as scary not scary at all. No, you know, it kind of, I mean, and I, you know, you know me, I don't, I don't ever like to discredit a team 
It doesn't matter how good you are or, or how, you know, not good you are. But um, these next couple games for for Indianapolis are kind of what I like to call tune-up games, you know, where you're, where you're not mm-hmm. really expecting too much as far as um, competitively. I mean, obviously it's the NFL, so it's any, anything, you know, they do is going to be a high, at a high level. But, you know, the record the records are, are really what's setting those two teams apart as far as them not being super relevant in competitiveness, at least in comparison to Indianapolis. Um, so that's why I call them tune-up games, at least for Indianapolis, um, especially because they're, I mean, to be honest, I don't, I don't see them losing to either one of those teams. Let me go ahead and say, you know, anything hap- anything can happen on any given game day. It doesn't matter what team you are. It doesn't matter who you play, what level of the game you're playing at. Literally anything can happen any game day. So you never know. Salty, um, they get the luxury of those two teams, and they have to play three consecutive division games. So you know they're going to be up for it. To take down the Texans again, to take down the Titans again, Right, and to take down the Jaguars again, I mean, it, that's literally their obstacle. And how, how can you not be hyped up? Right, they're your rivals. But to take down the three, right, the know, three division rivals, take the Steelers and Dolphins down, they could go five and zero, and then they they just they lock up the AFC South. That, that's got to be. I mean, right now, if you're a Colts fan, that's got to excite you. You're like eating. You're just like you know, like you know, it's kind of like having crackers on the TV and just kind of like munching on your mouth, just like savoring, just waiting for the flavor to come in. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's just, it's, you know, football, like I said, at any level is interesting to watch, especially, you know, you go through your first couple, first couple of weeks, get out bumps and bruises, rustiness from, you know, mini camps, OTA, stuff like that. Then once, you know, game time comes, you know, everybody turns it on and it just seems like, it seems like Indianapolis does not have a stop button at this point. It seems like they're just always on go, always on go, always on go. And there's very little holes from you know, there's it seems to me that there's very little holes in in their in their game. Like their game on both sides of the ball seems to be the most complete. From you know, at least from what I from what I've seen, I mean they're pretty much undefeated. I think they've lost also two games, maybe. Mhm. They're five and two. Yeah. They're five, five and two. And two. Yeah. So that's what so I'm saying. It's like two. The, the way I look at it right now for them is if they can stay defensively strong, their offense is not great but they're in games. So if they can just continue to get better on offense before the playoffs, their defense is doing their job. So it's just a matter of reset and company just getting consistent. And they are going to be uh, very good contenders for, for the, you know, if they win the, the, if they win the AFC South this year without Andrew Luck, that just says enough right there. That just says a lot. Well, yeah. And it, it, it also says a lot for Jacoby Brissett as far as what kind of player he has become over the years. Um, and I think that's what sets him apart from, like, the other backup quarterbacks that I like to call sleepers. Him and Nick Foles are a lot of, like, I mean, and Nick Foles, would, you know, um, being the backup over there in um, Philadelphia before he um, got traded to the Jags, um, you know, was, was that sleeper for, you know, Carson Wentz and the Eagles. And Nick Foles now has a Super Bowl ring because of it. And you know, I wouldn't. I would not surprise me at all if Jacoby Brissett was able to plot that very same sequence of stuff. All right. Um, we talked about. Uh, well, uh, Custis talked about her Niners on a roll, and what do they do? They just. They just. 
They laid a spanking on the um, Carolina, 51 to 13. They just lit a spanking against the McCaffrey and company. So um, I don't know about you, but, I mean, I, they're in my division, and I don't like them. But I guess I have to respect them at this point. And I guess the Sanders pickup really paid off this weekend. So looks to me like their road has a uh, – the remaining question will be, can they beat Russell Wilson, Wilson twice? They, know, they, they can beat the Rams because they beat the Rams, right? But can they beat mm-hmm. the Seahawks twice? That will be the, the question for them. So, and I'm going to go ahead and say, say yes. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, it's hard to beat a team two times, let alone even once, you know, if you, if, you know, if that other team is real good, which Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are a very good team. Uh, hey, Mac, but, Mac, were you jealous yeah. that Bozo was just eating, eating quarterbacks? No, honestly. Um, no? I'm not a fan of Bosa, but he's a very scary individual. I will state that. Um, I would hate to be a quarterback in the NFL um, for that main reason, but I wasn't, like, I wasn't fawning over him, you know. Most people mm-hmm. seem to fawn over him, and maybe just because I'm not a fan, and that's not to take away, you know, obviously from the elite player that he is. I'm just, I'm not a fan of Bosa. However, um I will say that him and that defense. He's a great, he's a great player, and based on the scheme that they play, he's been able to overpower anybody in front of the line. So he did it this weekend. So uh, if you're a Niner fan, uh, this is a beast. You know what I mean? This is this is a great pickup. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say oh, the yeah, intangibles well, outside of football probably not the greatest feeling you have. But if you're a Niner fan, the productivity on the field has now overshadowed anything else. <laughs> Keep it going is basically their attitude. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, we can, even, we, we can even talk on the other side of the ball with Jimmy G and George Kittle. Um, yep. Wow. George Kittle um, came from tight end U, obviously University of Iowa, my Hawkeyes. And ever since he stepped, like, ever since his rookie season, George Kittle has been blowing up the NFL scene and has continued to do so. Um, I don't see what, anyone stopping him. What are they him. feeding those people in Iowa? That's the question we got to ask. Hey, what are they look, feeding them in Iowa? I was the, the, <laughs> the corn and soybean state, cornbread people up here, okay? Um, it's just, I mean, it's just good football all around. Like, in the NFL right now, even, even you know, those teams that don't have quite a, a winning record right now, all, you know, it's just, it's it seems to be good quality football. I mean, the with with the exception of the 49ers being that they just keep keep throwing the smackdown on everybody they play. Um and it's not even most of the time it's not even close. But it's I mean it's competitive Salty. on both sides as far as and Salty, yeah. Lynch Lynch knew that he had to get somebody else to be a threat. Uh, otherwise you're you were going to wear down Kittle. Like you like Gorkowski was worn down in New England. You know what I mean? As mm-hmm. good as he is. Mm-hmm. Uh you had to get some other pieces. And picking up Sanders really sort of, you know, frees him up more, in other words, than when he was already capable of being capable of. So it's a good sign for them. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, I think, I think adding Sanders to that, to that team opens up more, you know, opens up that offense more with George Kittle already having been being there. So, I mean, and, and I was, I feel like I should be surprised that, 
it was it was 51 to 13 against the Panthers only because Christian McCaffrey at this point in my eyes is the best running back in football and that's over my Ezekiel Elliott on the Dallas Cowboys and I like everybody knows what kind of lethal weapon Zeke is but he's just, it seems to me that he's just now you know getting his his spark and step back where Christian McCaffrey has literally been out here lighting it up since week one. Chalty, you got crush on this guy now, or a little love fest on McCaffrey? Here? Oh, or just um, the yardage? I do kind of think he's he's a very. Um, I do have a little bit of a crush on him. I'm not going to sit here and lie, uh, but just the way he plays is. I mean, he obliterated my Iowa Hawkeyes uh, in college when he played for Stanford. Um, lit us up, and I'm just and I mean, and he's literally doing the exact same thing, but better in in the NFL. And I'm just it's. It's kind of awesome to watch. I'm not going to lie. I look forward to All watching right, um, Panthers games for that reason. Okay, so, Mac, uh, the Saints, kind of a dreadful state when Drew went down, but you got Bridgewater kind of like keeping them afloat, sort of like Brizette, not in a more horrible state because Bruce is coming back. Uh, Camaras should be coming back. So their first eight games have been pretty much uh, – They've had the second most difficult schedule in the NFL. And I was talking about earlier how people gripe about how the Patriots have the easiest schedule through the first eight weeks in the NFL. <laughs> so if you're a Saints fan and you read that, you're like, these these bastards get their first, you know, they get the easy road every time. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just, you know, obviously – most NFL fans can agree, unless you're a Patriots fan, that we all do not like the Patriots. For, well, partly that reason, because they just, for some reason, seem to keep winning. It's kind of overly freaking annoying. But, you know, you can't, you can't take away credit where it's due. Um, with that being said, i got to give a shout-out to Houdat Nation and the Saints. I mean, I'm definitely not a huge Saints fan, but Teddy Bridgewater – you know, being able to keep them on a winning streak while Drew Brees was healing after, you know, tearing those ligaments in his thumb and then Drew Brees coming back and lighting it up. First first game out of the bat, out of surgery, you know, out, after tearing his thumb and just light, just lights up the game, I just was – I was kind of surprised. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I didn't think they would lose, but I didn't think Drew Brees would, would do as well as he did for, you know, being fresh out of, you know, fresh out of surgery and everything. Yeah, I know. I agree. But you know what? I, I'm, I've watched him so many years now that I'm, it's almost like Rodgers. You know what I mean? Just even when they're down, they're only down for a couple, a short period of time, and then they kind of just make their way back, you know? It's just the way it is. Um, speaking of Rodgers, I think the Packers have hit their stride, okay? I think they've hit their stride. They have no issues. I mean, they crushed the Raiders in week seven. They outlasted the Chiefs in week eight, and they play the – the lonely chargers in week nine. So they have a two game division lead over the Vikings right now, you know, because they beat them. So th- this uh, NFC North is going to be Cheeseheads versus scroll at the end for the championship. I think in the, cause I think the Lions are, they're done. I don't think the Lions are going to be relevant at this point. And the bears come on, please. Really? <laughs> you know, it's no secret that I am a huge Packer hater. No secret. Ask anybody. Say it again, because nobody Facebook heard you. Twitter. I'm definitely, I'm the ultimate Packer hater. 
And actually, one of my friends gave me that name, and I, I'm literally going to hashtag it and probably try to trademark it because I literally – Just, put, just, just trademark Cheese Hater. Cheese Hater is a trademark. Cheese Hater. Hashtag Cheese Hater. You know, I am – I every time the Packers have a game, I hope they lose, and badly. And yet they still wow. seem to keep winning. It's the world's ir- most irritating thing. But, you know, after watching that Sunday night game, um, I do oh – God, as much as this is going to like uh, – oh God, this is going to irritate me saying this, but I got to give – You got to respect Rodgers, right? I mean, oh, eh, I mean, I won't go that far, but I got to give them the credit. They played that because that game against the Chiefs was a freaking shootout. Like, I mean, they took a they took a 14-point lead. And then Matt Moore, who I don't think many of us have ever heard of, just comes out and decides, okay, we're just we're going to give you a tip or tat here. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I was, of course, I was pulling for the Chiefs because, like I said, I'm the ultimate Packer hater, and Chiefs has really irritated my soul. But, like I said, I got it. That was a, you know, it was a rough game. And that, and I'm a I'm an Alan Lazard fan, and Alan Lazard went to Iowa State. I'm, I'm oh, not yeah. a, I'm not a huge Cyclones fan, but you know I support any football with Iowa attached in front of it. So anytime the Cyclones aren't playing my Hawkeyes, I I watch their games and I root for them. And I was, I'm just glad that Alan Lazard has gotten his chance. You know, has gotten a legitimate one, gotten his chance because he's a very good football player. Um, and I'm just and they Aaron Rodgers was just. Oh, like that was crazy. Between him and Jimmy Graham, Sunday night, those were I feel like were Aaron Rodgers' two main targets. Him and uh, Aaron Jones. That, Holy the hell. Hail Mary, the Hail Mary King. That's what he is now. It's literally what he does now. In fourth quarters, just comes up with some sort of, you know, edging of any team. It's not fun, but you know it is uh, heartbreakers. I guess if you want to call them at the end. So. um so they have a shot at the NFC North, which we ne- we didn't think about at the beginning of the season. And thanks to the Lions no, and the Bears. Really? Thanks to the Lions and Bears? Well, there you go. Uh, Cousins yeah, and company? I mean, the Bears have, I mean, yeah. Oh, man. You know what I mean? The Vikings I mean, are the Vikings, Vikings are the Vikings. Their comeback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, – but, you know, it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be Cousins against Rodgers. It's going to be scroll, um, scroll against uh, the cheeseheads. So that's what it boils down to here in the last couple of weeks. So I don't know. You got to give them credit there. So let's go to the NFC East race, which which quickly becomes a two-way battle between the somewhat decent Cowboys and somewhat decent Eagles. And who will who will stand out? Early leg up would be Week Seven victory over the Eagles. So I'm assuming Dallas is positioned a lot better here with an early advantage in the tiebreaker with a 3-0 record. Well, um, I'm going to say this. If there's anybody that's more critical of their team than than their own team, it's myself. I – and I'm, I'm not going to say this, – this season so far for the Dallas Cowboys has been a little bit underwhelming, not much, um, mainly from – the Ezekiel Elliott standpoint, you know, you hold out, then you get your contract, then it, it takes you a couple of weeks to start, you know, playing like you're getting paid $90 million, which I think is really the frustration for everybody, like everybody in, in Cowboys Nation, 
but the fact that Zeke is perform is now performing like he should have, I think I don't see I don't I see very little losses coming towards Dallas's way in the next couple games. Like so we have the next Monday night slot against the Giants up in New Jersey. Um Daniel Jones is hot right now and Saquon Barkley is, is back off the injury. So if we if we being the Dallas defense can keep keep the run pressure on Let's the hope Giants you don't play like you against Saquon yeah. Barkley. That'll be two um, teams in New York like, to beat you. You know what I mean? You know, if that happens, um, I really may just go on another rant on Facebook or social media because <laughs> I then I at that point I'll just I'll just tear apart my own damn team. I I can't. But like I said, I don't see that happening. Um, well, I'm off already because I thought so. Jason Garrett would be canned by now, but he's still in week nine. So I, my prediction just went oh. down. You know that the whole then the, the the Cowboys beating the Eagles is really what save is saving his job right now. Like, no, I know, I, I know what saved his ass. That's what happens every other year. <laughs> Thank you, Eagles fans, I mean, for not you know, doing we, your job. You know, <laughs> right? You know, we lose we lose a couple games that we don't need to. Then everybody wants him fired. Then we lose or we win a couple division games, and he's the freaking god of. Prodigal son of Jerry Jones, and I'm just like, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sick of looking at his face. Ugh. Um, Max, so you're taking the Giants over the Cowboys on Sunday? Is that what you're saying? Because Jones looks hot. Huh? huh? Is that no, your analogy? No, no. <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> no. Although I do think it'll be a, I, I do think it'll be a, a shootout, just like the Green, the Green Bay, um, Kansas City game was. I definitely think that that game is gonna going to um be very much like or similar I should say. It, it, was it weird to you that both New York teams weren't selling anybody and you're like, you're horrible. <laughs> you should be selling people to get some some trades and stuff. I was like, what are you well, well, the whatever. only one that they were They're both general really... managers think <laughs> I mean you're not incorrect. Um the only person that I saw coming out of a New York team was Jamal Adams, and Dallas like Dallas has 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 interest like bringing Jamal Adams back to Dallas, and the Jets just want entirely too much for him. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I nobody wants I to go to a loop. No, that. if 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 I got offered the Jets. Oh, by the way, we're going to trade you to the Jets. I would just say, you know, I'm retiring today. <laughs> That's what my attitude would be. <laughs> Pay me out. I'm out. <laughs> oh, my God. That's just, yeah. But if you're in Miami and you're going to head to the 49ers or, you know, somewhere else, then you're like, yes, I'm go- I'll go wherever I need to go. I'll take a pay cut. I'm good. But, you know, that's the way it works. I mean, I don't know. Um, New England gets Baltimore uh, Sunday night. So we, I just talked about the Ravens, how they're not, you know, they're not the, you know, the flashiest team. But we get Jackson against Brady. Should be a good one. Ooh, yeah. And I, see, I'm not much of, I'm not, I'm not as much of a Patriots hater as I am a Packer hater. But, I'm going to have to go with 
the Ravens for the plain fact. I just want to see that, to be honest. Um, the Patriots are are well-rounded team, although um, the Patriots now no longer have Michael Bennett, who happens to now be on my Dallas Cowboys. So it's going to be interesting to see how they um, how the Patriots defense, you know, keeps Lamar Jackson from running. And yeah, it should be a good game. I, I, I'm looking forward to it because it's he's a playmaker. And if you want to beat anybody, Brady's the one. Brady's the guy you want to beat. This is the team you want to beat. And given the fact that we've gone through eight weeks, and this is the number one ranked defense in the NFL, so if you if you're Jackson, if you can make a statement here, that would be a huge uh, huge win. Very good win for the uh, Baltimore. Already has the AFC North in the tank. I mean, they they just have it. You know, the Bengals are lousy. The Browns are horrible. The Steelers are mediocre. They just they got to just stay the course, win win lose win lose and they still win the division. Right, and it's not. I'm not. I'm not gonna say. Okay, I guess I have to say. I mean, I don't see Baltimore losing any any more division games. I actually I don't think they've lost one. Um, I do, however, see. I will state that. I believe the Browns may somehow pull it together. Um, you know, they're not the one in 31 team they were, be- they were before. Mac, Mac what Baltimore are you is- drinking? Because I want to get a flavor like that. Look, you know, I'm just I'm just keeping it real. You know, other than the fact that I'm a Baker. I don't even fan. think they're keeping it real. How can you keep it real if they're not even keeping it real? Well, and I'm only saying that because Baker Mayfield kind of stated himself today that his team has no discipline and it starts with him. You know, if you can admit that you're a part of the reason your team doesn't have discipline, there's changes coming. You know, whether I think they need to change the uniform and the color schemes (laughs) and their whole culture needs to change. I'm just serious. I don't look, look at this. Uh, Troy had a point, right? And even Louise had a point last weekend. Okay. It's one thing to talk. It's another thing to prove it on the field. So at the beginning of the season, everybody's hyped. Oh, Cleveland, resurgence, you know, da 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 And all of a sudden, here we are, same mediocre team. They can win out of their own state. Um, I mean, it's just they're a disaster, technically, if you want to call it that. They're a disaster. And until otherwise, they're not going to be relevant this year. I mean, just the way it is. Unless they go on a five-game winning streak, which I highly doubt that's going to happen, um, it's just a, a poor, disappointing season. And I guess Browns fans should be used to this by now. Midway through the season, uh, the season's over. Um, yeah, I can't. I'm not totally sold that the Browns aren't going to be relevant, but they're not beating. They're not beating Baltimore. They'll. I mean, I think they've beaten Cincinnati once already, but I'm not positive. Yeah. Um, the Steelers are toss up as well. So, I mean, just like you said, Baltimore has has a division on lock. It's just who's going to come in, you know, what what other of those teams in the division is going to, you know, make it make an attempt at the wall. If Jackson, if Jackson beats Brady, it's done. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a big win for them. He beats Brady, it's done. He's, they, they basically move ahead in that division, and they're, they pretty much own it. Even if they, you know, even if they go on a two-game losing streak or something, they'd still, if they end up rebounding on, on the third game, they'd still be, you know, in line to win 
and lock up a playoff spot. So uh, he makes them exciting. And so beating Brady would be a very good thing under his, under his cap. And it shows well for him because the rest of the North is a combined four and seven team. And every team at least is two games under 500. So the, this is how sad it is. The Ravens could possibly finish four and five and still reach the playoffs with a division title. You know what I mean? It's like, which is crazy. Oh yeah, isn't it? Just the thought of that. Is, they don't need to do much. The thought of that. They just need to. Like, wow. They just need to play some decent football the next, you know, next couple of weeks, and that's it. And they they lock it up. How easy can you be? I mean, it's 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 the opposite of the Colts, right? Because the Colts still have to beat three division, uh, three division uh, uh, matchups, and they got to beat you know two kind of lousy teams. So, you know, they they got to go, they got to win two for sure and they got to win another two or one to try to work it out but it's the way it works um san francisco has always had a problem with arizona so this thursday um holly truly predicts the niners will squash the cardinals that's i that's what i heard that's what i heard so the cardinals have other plans and their history shows otherwise so this would be a good game for fitzgerald johnson and a murray to take down this red-hot San Francisco team and give them their first loss of the year? You know, um, my being a Kyler Murray fanatic and a fan of that crazy fast-paced RPO offensive scheme that um, Chris Kingsbury runs down there in Arizona, I, uh, I have to take the Cardinals with the upset. And honestly, I don't even think it's much of an upset regardless of what Arizona's record is they're three four three four and one. Um, I don't. I just I. As much as I you know as much as I love watching George Kittle and and Sanders and Jimmy G tear tear apart teams, I think there's something different in the water for Thursday. I really do, and I. I. I don't know. Well, all I'm saying is uh, Arizona's had their number for a long time, so we'll see if this is another another issue for them, or are they going to do take care of business like they did against Carolina? So, looks to me defensively, they're way better than the Cardinals on paper, and it looks to me yeah. offensively, the Cardinals look just a little better offensively uh, if they if they stay dialed. But uh, I still think I give this, uh, the Niners as much as I'd want them to lose. And this is coming from a Rams fan, <laughs> right? As much as I want them to lose, yeah. uh, sorry, Holly, but as much as I want them to lose, uh, it just looks to me like if they lose to Arizona, this would be a big disappointing game for San Francisco. If they lose to Arizona, it would be kind of disappointing. The fact that they would lose to a rival. Um, if they can beat the Rams, but they can't beat the Cardinals, it kind of tells you a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the equivalent in uh, college football right now or what was two weekends ago, Wisconsin losing to Illinois. That would be mm-hmm. that caliber of mm-hmm. a game, except mm-hmm. the division isn't quite on the line if, you know, if the 49ers lose where Wisconsin now is, in is now six and two, 
and the next per- the next team they play also has their number, which happens to be the Iowa Hawkeyes. So yeah. um, it's a lot a lot of comparison here, but like I said, not so much on not so much at stake for the Niners if they lose um, to the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I get you know after I guess you know only Thursday will tell, but right. I don't. I think the only thing that's going to be, uh, you know, that's that's going to be different for the Niners is their pride is going to be hurt a little bit, uh, and and the fact that Arizona is still going to have their number. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's like I hopefully, um, I mean, Arizona. This is up for Arizona, right? I mean, if you're if you're a Cardinal fan tomorrow, Salty, you're like, we're at home and we can get to you know put the first L on this team that's riding high. That would be awesome for their fans at home, and you beat the undefeated Niners. That's a big up game to get up for. Oh yeah, um, and that, and you know, you're at home in Arizona. You have the home crowd, mm-hmm. home field. Um, you know, you don't you don't have to travel. You know, fan base yep. included. So the energy, the energy in in Arizona is going to be freaking skyrocket ridiculous. Um, and it's gonna, it's also gonna put you back into relevancy as far as, you know, making a gun for the, for the division wild card or at least one of the wild card spots, it'll put you mm-hmm. just under 500 with having that tie. I mean, if, you know, if they, if, if Arizona wins, they'll be four, four, and one, which with, this, right, with so, this season having a you know new quarterback, new coach, I, nobody expected that. So right. I think I, I personally think they want it more. All right, I'm taking Arizona because obviously I just cannot root for the Niners. You know my reasons. <laughs> um, and I'm taking uh, New England because I'm not going to bet against Brady, but I do think the potential is there for Jackson to beat them. And I am taking the uh, Dallas Cowboys just because I like you. Otherwise, I would probably take New York. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I think Dallas will take care of business. So there you go. So Sunday, Monday night, Dallas should take care of New York, New England, Baltimore. You're taking Baltimore, right? Versus New England. Yeah, I am. And then you're, you're taking Frisco against Arizona or you're taking Arizona against Frisco. I'm taking, I'm taking Arizona. I'm taking Baltimore and I'm taking Dallas. Okay. So Holly already doesn't like you this week because apparently you're going up against and She doesn't like me this week. So, sorry, I'm Holly. I'm not a big fan this week. Sorry, Holly. And and if the Niners lose to the Cardinals, uh, well, we're gonna have to give her a hug, just the way it's gonna be. And her head may her head may just fly off of her shoulders. <laughs> uh, she's listening, of course. But uh, Holly, we wish you uh, well if you're a non-Ram fan, which I'm not. So I'm going for the Cardinals, just the way it works. All right. Love it. Um, right. I mean, so we got to be honest, right? We got to be truthful. You can't just sugarcoat it. And if we if we yeah, are wrong, exactly. then obviously we're gonna have to eat our crow next week and go. Sorry, we doubted you. <laughs> you know, we 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 like to keep it 100 here on the Gridiron Blitz podcast. You know, we don't like to sugarcoat stuff. Um, no. Which also means I'll, I'll know, get my spanking next week. We can't. We can't be I've already got. Week. I already got my I already got my spanking from the Niners a couple of weeks ago, so I'll I'll take the co-host spanking if that's the case. Not a problem. 
Um, let's see here. Uh, let's go. Into, uh, we got about another 15 minutes, so let's let's dive into another wild weekend of college football. Seems like every weekend's. I'm missing Troy right now because Troy just somewhat just put it all in perspective in a nutshell. You know, it's kind of a gluing puzzle, and I can see the picture. When I do it, I have to take notes and scratches, and I got to start researching about what team and history and all that. And it just blows my mind because I don't have the time. I don't have the time because I'm so focused on, you know, a, a amazing, talented women all over the globe playing in amazing leagues and trying to figure that out all week. That, um, But I do take notes really well because I learned that in college, of course. Uh, a top five team lost this week, uh, Mackenzie. A defensive player went from zero to 60 to the Heisman race, and SMU is still undefeated. So the the winners are Ohio State's Heisman hopes. So I guess Justin Fields, from what I read, has been in the Heisman discussion uh, since he arrived there. So uh, Ohio State, 38-7 to dismantling of Wisconsin, obviously showcases uh, uh, to be a, a contender for, uh, I guess, the Heisman. So I'm assuming – you know, Ohio is in the mix at this point. They're up in the top. And LSU, surprisingly of all people, LSU uh, takes over the number one spot in the AP poll. So, lots, lots to unwrap here. My naturally being a Big Ten fanatic, with my Hawkeyes being a Big Ten, um, I don't like Ohio State, clearly. But we still have their number from 2017. That's cool. I'm more or less interested in the fact that Wisconsin lost and the Buckeyes held Jonathan Taylor to, I think, 57 yards the entire game is what I read, which is surprising. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor has been and there was, in the Heisman, Heisman watch and the entire season. Chase Young had like four sacks on, on, on the Badger quarterback. So he's now the leading sack. I guess over over 13 sacks, and he's made a sack at every, uh, I guess, in 10 consecutive games. So he's tallied, I think, five tackles for a loss. Let's see here my notes. Tied for a single game in both sacks and tackles for a loss. So, I, I mean, he could be, I guess, considered in the discussion as a Heisman winner, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm surprised there's not more um, – defensive players in the Heisman talks this year. I mean, this is a very, this, it seems to be this, this year, this year and last year's Heisman, um, at least top 10, 15 list is very um, quarterback running back heavy. Um, I mean, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, Chase, um, Chase Young, Brock Purdy's on that list. In fact, Brock Purdy's number 10 or was number 10 um, last week. Like I said, there's just, there, it's very quarterback, running back heavy. So, I'm, like I said, I'm surprised mm-hmm. there's not more defensive players on there. But it wouldn't shock me if defensive players started creeping, you know, creeping their way into the talks since we are just about about a game or two over mid uh, mid season. All right, uh, Michigan, and I know Troy's not here. Michigan has only been uh, pretty much on the losing end all season, but they crush Notre Dame, 45-14 Saturday night. So um, I guess Harbaugh keeps his job or something or kind of sigh of relief for Michigan fans. 
Um, I think it's just exactly that right now. It's it's a little bit of style of the league. There's a little bit of of uh, morale boost because you know last year Notre Dame had their number by six, and this year they take <laughs> they take revenge and double that, almost double that score um, from last season. So I think the difference with Michigan is I think Michigan knows that they're going to they're more than likely going to a New Year's Six bowl game. Um, yeah, I yeah. I think they have a chance to get into the playoffs. Uh, there definitely will be a Big Ten team in the playoffs. Who that is, no, I mean, not really, you know, really unsure at this point. I mean, looks like Ohio, Ohio State's going to be going to be the lock for that that spot or one of those spots. But Minnesota is also eight zero right now. Hey, so, uh, Mackenzie, are you surprised that Joe Burrow is a front runner for the Heisman? Uh, man, he just became. Uh, I think LSU uh, took care of, or jumped over Alabama in the AP poll, from what I read. So that makes them the number one team in the country after taking down Auburn by three points. So he, I think he threw for over 300 yards. One touchdown and one rushing touchdown. So um, at this point, uh, I mean, he's—I guess he's got to be in the mix, at, you know, considering uh, they get the nod for number one now. You know, I'm also along with my being a Tacker hater. I am also an Alabama hater. So when I saw those polls, control your emotions. Um, control your emotions. I cannot at this. I can't. You know. I was ecstatic to see that the LSU Tigers were back in the number one spot where they belong, and Alabama is now playing catch-up per usual. Um, I like to troll Alabama fans, and most of my friends that are Alabama fans um, get irritated, and I think it's funny because um, they like to troll me all the time, but when they get trolled, you know, it's all, oh, Mac, you're crazy. Oh, Mac, you like to run your mouth. Of course I like to run my mouth. That's what I do. I'm the queen and princess of saltiness and sass for a reason. And to see Alabama fans upset that they're not number one elates me to no end. With that Mac, being said, are you excited LSU that LSU is number one? Are you excited I LSU am, is number no, one? I'm ecstatic. <laughs> I am ecstatic, elated. They've earned it. Their schedule is tougher. Alabama has not played anybody yet. Um, their next, their next opponent happens to be the LSU Tigers. So. It's going to be an interesting one, especially if Tua is still out. The, t- the Tigers out. get to rest. The, the Tigers get to rest for another crack <laughs> at the Crimson Tide. Oh yeah, is that funny? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Oh, it's it's look, it nothing nothing elates my little soul more currently at this point than watching Alabama fans cry and complain. Well, we were number one last week. We're the best. Sit down, y'all. Not the best. Y'all number two. That's after one, which is not the top spot. So have a seat, sirs and ma'ams. I think you're scaring people right there where you're at right now. Just really scaring people right you now. You know, I really hope so. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. All right. You're not eating anything right now, are you? Because normally you get hyped up I'm and start getting salty. You start to eat a lot. You know, I'm actually snacking. I'm not quite That's what I'm saying. Meal yet. I mentioned that because you had you're taking pauses between bites, I think. 
And I can start to tell when you get too excited, you start to like not take bites. You start just going off and on and on. <laughs> you know, what I'm, I mean, literally one of my hobbies is trolling SEC fans. It's probably oh the my best God. thing on earth. Um, oh my and God. the fact that Alabama isn't number one, literally it has made my entire week. And I'm surprised you haven't made a banner flag or something just to wave it around town. Look, the second the – You're second, number two. You're time, number two. Look, look, the second that they lose to LSU, which they're going to lose to LSU, I, it's all gloves coming off. I, oh, oh it's, I'm probably going to lose to Okay, you need to get an 8 by 11 piece of paper with some Sharpie. <laughs> Hashtag you're number two. That's the way it's gonna go. I'm doing that tomorrow, and I'm tagging you in. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Oh my god. Um. All right. What do we say of of Notre Dame? (laughs) They got embarrassed by Michigan here. So. Um. You know, Notre Dame's still a good team. Um. You can't take away from them what they've done this season, with the exception of losing, (laughs) embarrassingly. To Michigan in the big house. Um, with that being said, wow. I think they still run the table. Not sure. Not okay. sure they get a playoff spot. They definitely get a New York Six bowl game and a good one. Um, yeah. Just don't think with with that loss to Michigan, I think that kind of puts them out of the playoff talks. But we've also seen stranger things happen, Oscar. We have seen stranger things happen. So it would. Well, we saw Oklahoma lose. To Kansas State, uh, that's strange. Oh, you know, <laughs> that one actually, I was rather shocked, um, obviously, because I'm the best bandwagon Sooner fan on earth, and all of my my Boomer Sooner fans have kindly accepted me into the Boomer Sooner fan base and family. Um, with that being said, Jalen Hurts, um, I don't know, he's another kind of human. I mean, he puts a lot of blame on himself. You know, we gotta, we gotta get better. I gotta get better. You know, even when they win, and I'm just like, where do you see that at? In, in the fact that, I mean, if people are not, you know, placing the blame on Jalen, like you lose as a team. But he literally said himself, I, I gotta make better decisions. I have to do this. Like that, that says something. That's why I also think the Oklahoma Sooners are still going to get into the playoffs. To be completely All right. Interesting, and, interesting enough, everywhere I read, they still give them a potential, even the one loss, they still think, uh, because their remaining schedule is somewhat winnable, which is Iowa State um, against Baylor, undefeated Baylor, and then against their rival, obviously, Oklahoma State. So they still have some potential. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> – it's going to be. I, I think. I think Oklahoma. Honestly, I think they went out the rest. The rest of their schedule. Okay. Um, the only team I see in the Big Twelve, you know, derailing them is Iowa State, because Iowa State is one of those Big Twelve teams that actually has had a consistent defense for the past couple seasons. And every time they've played Iowa State for the at least for the first two two quarters, two and a half quarters, they've given them problems. I don't see that. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Just this season with Oklahoma having such a good defense as far as, you know, compared to last year and the year before, it's going to be a good one. All right. We're going to talk about this. Um, I'm just waiting for more information on this NCA board uh, process of modifying the rule where 
players can have their name, image, and likeness. So we'll we'll dive into that next week as I get more details on, you know, what's it going to entitle, whether it's going to be a year from now, you know, that kind of deal. So we'll dive into that. Um, but at this point, pretty exciting weekend in college uh, football. Another weekend's coming up, so we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, NFL, obviously the big three games, Frisco, Arizona, New England, Baltimore, Dallas, New York. Um, we are going to be having uh, in November, November 10th is a big day for a lot of things in women's football as well. Um, we have the big events in November 10th at Nissan Stadium, uh, Titans versus Kansas City. Right after that, WFA, uh, three, uh, I believe it's three teams in WFA, two teams in the WFA, a total of four teams in the WFA, plus one, uh, two teams of the USWSFL are scheduled to play right after the ten- a Tennessee and Kansas City game on November 10th. So it's a big deal there. We have Legends Football League All-Star Game in Mexico, November 16th. Austin Acoustic against the Los Angeles Temptation. Uh, and then we'll keep tabs on the rest of the events coming up in the weeks ahead. We will also be having some Hall of Famers starting next week. I'm trying to reach out to all of them right now so we can get some interviews for some of those Hall of Famers uh, for the 2019 class. Um, so, um, Mackenzie, Big uh, showdown in the first hour. I kind of disclose everything. Playoffs in Costa Rica, playoffs in Brazil, playoffs in Czech Republic. Uh, I mean, you name it. There's playoffs starting in Gridiron, Queensland, Gridiron, New South Wales. Uh, still a little bit, a couple more weeks to go. We have uh, the first three weeks in Mexico of FX Mexico and Lexpa. So on the women's side, Mackenzie, uh, girls are still playing football and they're playing at a high level and their game's no joke globally. I mean, any time a woman does anything, it's no joke. So why would football be any different? You know, um, that's just how we do things. That's how that's that it is. What it is, you know. You can't stop us. Who's because who's gonna who's gonna tell us that we're not gonna be at an elite level? That's what I don't understand. Talking about um, so if you know, don't know what's going on, need to know what's going on. Uh, we'll be here next Tuesday to tell you what's going on. But in the meantime. You go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash ground beauties, and that's the place to be. So uh, thanks to everybody who has shared, commented, and did everything to network with us, all our network partners around the globe. Uh, It's been a great uh, time this year covering all the leagues, a lot of leagues, including now Lexpa in Mexico kicking off as well. So we'll be covering them through December as well and through into January, plus Grand Queensland, Grand West. There's a lot of, a lot of football on the women's side that we're going to cover still on top of the NFL, college football in general. Um, so just an amazing uh, fall for all of us here. So check us out at facebook.com for slash Don't forget to go to our Instagram. Check out the amazing photos there. Check us out also on Twitter daily for updates and fitness tips as well. And if you're on Snapchat, of course, check us out on Snapchat as well. So uh, Mackenzie, that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully your Dallas Cowboys Win, I'm rooting for Arizona, of course, so they can take down the Niners. And uh, obviously, Brady and company against Jackson, that should be a great one on Sunday night. So it should be in good shape this coming week in terms of football action. So uh, for the absent Holly Custis, uh, Louise Bean and Troy Wilson, and for Matt, uh, Mackenzie Brooks, the salty one, Oscar Lopez saying we'll catch you here next week right here on the Grand Blitz on Block Talk Radio, iHeart, and Apple Podcasts. Have a great night, everybody.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 